You're listening to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M, where she breaks down the nitty gritty basics of nursing concepts. Hello and welcome to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M. Today I'm going to try to talk about the adrenal glands and the problems that result from that. And if you listened to my hyper-hypothyroidism podcast, you'll know that I have this stupid saying and it's ACMT and even with that cadence, but it's a way that I separate out my exedema, coma and thyroid storm, MT specific to thyroid, and then AC, which is Addison's and Cushing's disease. So that's the way that I keep those separate. I'm going to tell you right now that when I was in nursing school, I hated the endocrine system because they're just so complicated. Frankly, I still don't enjoy the endocrine system, but it's something that we need to know. So I'm going to try to just give you the nitty gritty key elements that you need to know about the adrenal glands, but do just keep in mind they are very complicated. So with that, let's talk about adrenal glands. They are located on the top of your kidneys and there's one on each of the kidneys. And basically what they're responsible for is regulating sodium and electrolyte balance. They also affect carbohydrate, fat, and protein metabolism, and they will influence the development of sexual characteristics. I just want to highlight those key things that the adrenal glands are responsible for because you are going to see in both the hypo and hypersecretion different changes in those areas based on what they do originally. So make sure you make note of those and keep those in the back of your mind as we go forward with this. They also sustain the fight or flight response that we often feel with that sympathetic response. And the reason why is because the adrenal glands have actually two parts to them. They've got the adrenal cortex, which is the outer shell of the adrenal gland. And then they've got the adrenal medulla, which is the inner core of the adrenal gland. Now in the adrenal cortex, that outer shell, that is responsible for synthesizing glucocorticoids like cortisol, cortisone, etc., mineral corticoids like aldosterone and a small amount of sex hormones, while the adrenal medulla, which is the inside core of the adrenal gland, works as part of the sympathetic nervous system and produces epinephrine and norepinephrine, which is why it is responsible for that fight or flight reaction. Now, the two cases that I'm going to talk about today are either hyposecretion of the adrenal hormones or hypersecretion of the adrenal hormones. And the first one I'm going to try to tackle is the adrenal insufficiency, which is a hyposecretion of the adrenal cortex cortex hormones like cortisol and aldosterone. And this is what we can frequently associate with Addison's disease. And the reason why the adrenal glands stop producing these key hormones is can be for a few reasons. The causes can be autoimmune destruction, and we don't actually know why that happens. Or it can be the result of some sort of cancer that has spread to the adrenal cortex from somewhere else. Or it can just be hyposecretion of the adrenocorticotropic hormone, also abbreviated as ACTH, which is produced by the anterior lobe of the pituitary gland. Basically, what it means is that your adrenal gland, for whatever reason, either we're not secreting enough ACTH, we have some sort of cancer, there's autoimmune destruction, whatever the reason, when you have adrenal insufficiency, you are going, these patients require lifelong replacement of glucocorticoids and possibly the mineral corticoids as well. Because if we don't replace them, this is fatal if it goes left untreated. 
So glucocorticoids that are produced in the cortex and say like epinephrine, which is produced in the medulla, are important stress hormones that are secreted from the adrenal gland during critical illness. And there's actually evidence that the glucocorticoids increase the vascular response to catecholamines, which are your epi and norepi coming from the medulla. Furthermore, adrenal glucocorticoids stimulate an enzyme, a methyltransferase, to convert norepinephrine to epinephrine in the adrenal medulla. What does that actually mean? Okay, so what this actually means is that in a perfect world, when your adrenal glands are working correctly, you're going to produce glucocorticoids, mineral corticoids, and then you're going to produce the catecholamines appropriately. So when we get really stressed out and we produce glucocorticoids like cortisol, it helps us convert norepinephrine to epinephrine, those catecholamines, so that we can work with this fight or flight reaction. And with the fight or flight response, if we talk about this fight response, we get, you know, peripheral vasoconstriction and all of the blood gets funneled back to the key organs so that we can use it appropriately. In addition to gluconeogenesis happening, which is the breakdown and utilization of sugar, because in that fight or flight mode, we need all the energy that we can to escape whatever it is we're trying to escape. The problem with this when we talk about adrenal insufficiency is that the loss of the glucocorticoids, meaning we don't produce enough or we don't produce at all of the cortisol, for example, is going to lead to a decreased vascular tone. So you're not going to have that vasoconstriction that you would have seen in the normal fight or flight response. And because of this decreased vascular response, the catecholamines, epinephrine and norepinephrine that your adrenal medulla wants to produce are not going to react the same way. Thus, the decreased vascular response. Because what we know are that the glucocorticoids increase the response, and without them, you've got a decreased response to catecholamines. Now, the mineral corticoids, like aldosterone, we know that aldosterone is a steroid hormone that enhances the reabsorption of sodium and chloride and then promotes the excretion of potassium and hydrogen from the renal tubules, thereby helping to maintain fluid and electrolyte balance. So when we lose the mineral corticocoids, we're then going to put these people at risk for dehydration, hypotension, hyponatremia, and hyperkalemia. Holy crap, that's a lot to take in. So... Addison's disease, if we get back to that, it's just an adrenal insufficiency. And it's an uncommon illness that basically occurs when the adrenal glands don't make enough cortisol and don't make enough aldosterone. And it can affect anyone and it can be life threatening, especially if it's not treated. And basically, the treatment involves just taking hormones to replace those that are missing. Addison's disease is unique in that it's usually happening very slowly over months. And so, because it happens so slowly, people who have it often just ignore the symptoms at first. And then some sort of stressor enters their life like an illness or an injury and it makes everything worse. Fun fact is that President Kennedy, JFK, actually had Addison's disease. So if you look at pictures from back then, um, you'll see that he's nice and bronzed and things like that. Well, actually, that was just the Addison's that they were hiding the entire time. So what do patients who have adrenal insufficiency or Addison's disease, what do they look like? Here's your pie assessment. So these people that are going to present are lethargic, they're fatigued, Fatigued, they have muscle weakness, they're going to have weight loss and anorexia. For those that were assigned female at birth, is often going to be menstrual changes. In those assigned male at birth, they might have impotence. 
And then here's where it gets a little bit confusing. These patients are also going to suffer from hypoglycemia because there is an aspect of decreased gluconeogenesis associated with the loss of glucocorticoids, okay? They're going to be hyponatremic. Again, if you think about the role of aldosterone and sodium reabsorption, if we're not making enough, it's, we're not going to keep it. So we're going to become hyponatremic. They are going to have hyperkalemia and hypercalcemia. These patients with Addison's disease are also going to have hyperpigmentation of the skin. Um, it can be on the skin. It can be inside the mouth or the gums. Um, and this is a symptom that is specific to Addison's disease. And when the hyperpigmentation is occurring, it, it usually does so in areas which have more pressure placed on them, like the knuckles initially. And the hyperpigmentation happens in people with Addison's because the adrenal insufficiency causes changes in the hormone levels and the hormone level changes mean that more melanin is produced and the skin appears more tanned which means that the skin over the entire body gets darker so what are we going to do in our interventions this is the eye of the pie well we're going to monitor these patients vital signs and we're going to watch particularly for hypotension because we know they're not going to be able to do that peripheral vascular response and so they're going to be hypotensive so we want to keep an eye on that from their labs, we want to monitor for hyperkalemia, hyponatremia, and hypoglycemia. Think about the decreased gluconeogenesis that's occurring as a result of the decrease in cortisol being produced, as well as aldosterone. Watch for the hypotension. We want to really do a good job with their intake and output. And then we want to give glucocorticoids and mineral corticocoids if, if needed. And I'm sorry I'm mispronouncing that. The other big thing is we want to observe for an Addisonian crisis, which is the end of the line in terms of severity. And it, the way that people with Addison's disease have, have an Addisonian crisis is usually it's caused by stress or infection or trauma or even surgery. Some big event is what precipitates and throws them from just having Addison's disease to an Addison crisis. And in terms of education and evaluation, we really have to educate these patients who are diagnosed with Addison's disease that they are going to be on lifelong, lifelong glutocorticoid replacement therapy. They don't just get to stop because they're not producing any of it. They also are going to need to increase their corticosteroid intake during times of stress because again they don't have that fight or flight response in their system already established and then we really want to educate them to not stop just stop taking their medications because if they just suddenly decide man i don't want to take my medications well those corticosteroids and mineral corticoids can actually you just stop completely you can this can lead to an Addisonian crisis. We also want them to avoid sick people. Again, they're on, you know, lifelong steroids. And then in terms of their diet, we really want them to focus in on high protein, high carbohydrate, and they should be taking calcium and vitamin D supplements. And they should be doing this to prevent corticosteroid-induced osteoporosis. Now, let's just say the patient decided to just stop taking their medications or they don't have access to them is more likely the issue. This can develop into an Addisonian crisis, which is life-threatening, and it can actually lead to complete vascular collapse. And the way that these patients will present if they are entering into that Addisonian crisis stage is they're going to have a severe headache. They're going to have pain all over, abdomen, legs, back. They're going to be weak. They're going to have confusion. These patients will also have severe hypotension. Remember, they don't have the catecholamines or the glucocorticoids to, you know, have that vascular response and tone. And what this ultimately ends with is shock. 
So what do we do for these patients? Give them IV glucocorticoids. It doesn't matter what kind. If they are in a true Addisonian crisis, they need the IV glucocorticoids you know, yesterday. And then we're going to administer IV fluids. Again, treatment for shock, monitor their vital signs, assess their neurologic status, keep an eye on their intake and output. And then again, those lab values, specifically the sodium, the potassium, and the glucose levels. And then ultimately what we try to do for all of our patients is protect them from getting an infection. So that is hyposecretion of the adrenals. Now we're going to move into hyper secretion, aka Cushing's. And you might hear Cushing's syndrome or Cushing's disease. Technically, Cushing's syndrome is a metabolic disorder from chronic and excessive cortisol production by the adrenal cortex. So it can be caused from glucocorticoids like prednisone administration in large doses for weeks or longer. It can be from a pituitary tumor that's making way too much ACTH or an adrenal tumor that is just making too much of the cortisol. And then it can also ironically be caused from tumors that are actually outside of the pituitary and the adrenal system, specifically in the lungs, pancreas, or thyroid. Whereas Cushing's disease is technically a type of Cushing's syndrome and Cushing's disease is a metabolic disorder characterized by an increased secretion of cortisol, often the result of um, increased amounts of ACTH secreted by the pituitary or from a benign tumor on the pituitary gland. Either way, for the purposes of this podcast, hypersecretion of adrenals is just Cushing's, just Cushing's for right now. So with this hypersecretion or hyperproduction of cortisol, the corticosteroid, what are these patients going to look like? If we just covered Addison's disease and crisis, here's what Cushing's people with Cushing's syndrome and disease are going to look like. They're going to have generalized muscle wasting and weakness as well. They're often going to have this rapid weight gain. And if you think about what cortisol does, it's a steroid and it increases sugars and it increases sodium and fluid retention. And because of that, these patients also will present with truncal obesity and really thin extremities. They also have the classic moon face and or buffalo hump. And the buffalo hump is the direct result of like the increase in adipose tissue that builds up because they have so much cortisol on board. Um, they're also at risk for hypokalemia and hypocalcemia which is the exact opposite of Addison's disease. And then they're at at risk for hypertension. And they have hypertension from the increased vascular tone and response to epi and norepi because they have too much cortisol, which is converting them and making them more receptive to it. The cortisol as well also just causes these people to have fragile skin, and so they're going to bruise really easily. Um, They're also predisposed to thromboemboli formation. So one of the other things that we look for are petechiae, which are is just fragments of like little tiny thrombuses that get caught in the superficial vessels of the skin, and we can see it there. These patients are also at risk for osteoporosis fractures, mainly because um, with the increase in the cortisol, it reduces the bone formation, which is why when we reflect back to Addison's, we encourage calcium and vitamin D to prevent cortisol-based osteoporosis. And then these patients can also have hirtusism, which with high levels of cortisol affect the balance of the sex hormones, leading to a high androgen levels, which is the excessive hair growth that one might experience with this. 
So how do we treat this and what interventions are we going to do from a nursing perspective? Well, we're going to monitor their vital signs, especially their blood pressure, because the increase in that cortisol production is going to increase their response to the catecholamines, which is going to give them hypertension. We also want to do a really close job of watching their intake and output. Again, because not only is it cortisol, but when we have all of these extra hormones and you bring in the concept of aldosterone, you know, you want to watch what their labs are doing specifically. Specifically, their glucose, sodium, potassium, and their calcium. And then we want to do weights on them because these patients, they have so much cortisol in, in their system that the excess of that can cause for um, an accumulation of fat deposits and redistribution to occur. And so they these people tend to gain weight, not to mention the sodium and fluid retention and fluid weighs a lot. And then we have to provide them education on how to fix the issue. The issue is that they've got way too much production of the cortisol in their body from the adrenal glands or from like the pituitary tumor. And so if this is the case, we really need to focus our education on teaching the patient about what it looks like with the removal of a pituitary tumor, if that is the cause. Because if that's the cause, we normally will remove the tumor through their nose, and it's called a transphenoidal surgery, and that's the mainstay treatment for a pituitary tumor that is causing hypersecretion of the cortisol, which is the Cushing's that they're experiencing. Sometimes if it's specific to the adrenals, they might need to be prepared for an adrenalectomy if that cause is specifically there. Either way, when we go and we remove the adrenals, if that is the treatment that we need to take with them, glucocorticoid replacement therapy is a lifelong endeavor for these patients after if both of those adrenal glands are removed. So the treatment for this really depends on the underlying cause. Because, for example, patients who are on oral prednisone, um, can, they can actually put themselves into a Cushing's you know, disease process by taking too much of the prednisone for too long. And so if it is medication-induced, we call it exogenous, we really need them to decrease the drug gradually and avoid sudden withdrawal. Because if we suddenly withdraw the exogenous prednisone or the corticosteroid that they've been taking, we can actually throw them into an adrenal crisis because the adrenals have not had the time to start producing their own from the exogenous that it was being replaced with. If it's the pituitary adenoma, we would consider surgical excision. And then adrenal steroid inhibitors can be given to control excessive production of the cortisol. There's two big ones, apologies about the pronunciation, but it's ketoconazole or metroprion. So that's everything I've got to give on the nitty gritty for the adrenal issues. Uh, It's a confusing one. I even to this day still have to review it myself. But with that, that's why I say go forth and keep on learning.